Good morning, my friends at the 95th Street campus and all of you at Bolingbroke, Hobson people. What a great joy to be with you all. I love coming to church and you people make it such a joy for me. Hey, I wanted to tell you about something that happened some years ago. Our Griffin, extended Griffin family went down to Florida, southern tip, Everglades area for a little vacation. And it was my father who said, you know what we need to do? We need to go on one of those wave runner tours. Maybe you've heard of these. Here's a picture. Yeah, you get on these wave runners and a guide brings you both out into the ocean and into the Everglades. Sounded like so much fun. Our, our, our guide was this old leathery dude. You know, he'd been in the sun his whole life down there. His skin was shriveled and he had this voice and he's like, yeah, I've been down in the Everglades my whole life. I know this area like the back of my hand. And he said, what do you want to see? And I spoke up. I said, I want to see wildlife. And he said, oh, I can help you with that. He goes, how about dolphin? I'm like, yeah. He goes, how about a bald eagle? Yeah. He goes, how about manatee? You know, manatee are these huge beasts, you know, 13 feet long, 1,300 pound, gentle giants of the sea. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I know where they're at. So he took us and sure enough brought us to where dolphin were jumping right next to our wave runner and where a bald eagle's nest and the bald eagle sw- you know, flew right over our heads. The manatee was what really struck me because he took us out into the ocean and he kind of stood up and he's like, this, this is manatee land here. He talked about the grassy, on the grassy bottom of this part and he said, right now we're surrounded by manatee. And I'm looking, I see nothing. And I'm like, we're not surrounded by manatees, guys. He goes, help me. He goes, help me spot some. And so we're all looking, you know. We see nothing but water everywhere. And and he says, oh, there's one right over there. Oh, there's two right over there. Oh, there's another one. And I'm we're all saying, what is he saying? He goes, how about we go see that one? And we drive over, and sure enough, he was right. There's a manatee. Here's a picture of what they look like as they come up to the surface. They're, they're adorable in a strange, big sort of way. <laughs> I, I asked the guy, I'm like, how did you see him? And he said, well, I've been training my eyes to spot what you got to look for. He goes, you don't see the manatee itself. You see the effect it has on the water. He goes, the, the, the ripples on top of the water are a sign that a manatee is swimming down below. He said, the bubbles are a sign a manatee is exhaling down below. He goes, I spot those little disturbances in the water surface. And I know there's a manatee there. I got thinking about it, and I see a, a spiritual parallel. You know, I said, I want to see manatee. Moses said, do you remember what Moses said? I want to see the glory of God. In our passage that we're studying, the beautiful one, it's Exodus chapter 33 and 34. Moses is cried out, Lord, please help me spot your glory. Can you show me your glory? And God said yes. But as we're about to discover, God's yes was complex. It was like God saying, you're not going to be able to see me directly, but if you want to encounter me, you can Look for how I disturb the surface of the water or my effects in the world around. And if you know what to look for, and if you know where to look, God's going to tell us, you can find me. 
And some people, like that old guide, have trained themselves to live each day searching the horizon, finding evidence of God's reality and God's beauty. And that's what we're going to learn how to do. We're going to learn how to train the eye to live each day spotting the glory of God. So, again, last week, Moses was given one request, and he said, the thing I want more than anything, God, is to see your glory. We learned that glory is God's beauty on display. And Moses knew that nothing satisfies the heart, the soul, like God. He could have asked for riches and fame and power, and Moses said, nah, none of those really fill the human soul. Lord, it's you. It's knowing you and enjoying you and all of your stunning goodness. So Moses said, I want to see you. God said yes. And now I had promised last week that we begin to see this theophany. A theophany is an appearance of God. And sure enough, God lays out a plan for how he's going to reveal himself to Moses. Ready? I'm going to start reading in verse 20, Exodus 33. You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Well, that's disappointing. You know, the the request has this caveat. I would show you my face, everybody, but you die, is what the passage essentially says. Why is that? Why, Why would a full revealing of God's glorious nature overwhelm us to the point of death? Well, You've all been shocked by something so amazing, right? You've, you've gone through that thing where it takes your breath away. Well, if, if earthly beauties or amazing realities can take your breath away, imagine what seeing God would take away. It'd take away your heartbeat. It would give you a heart attack in that moment. Our bodies are incapable of sustaining a full revelation of the glory of God. And so for our own well-being, he hides. He hides for Moses, but he will reveal. In heaven, he will reveal himself fully. I'm convinced that in heaven, the Bible says we get a new body. It's a new and improved version Some of you say, how do you improve on perfection? Others of us say, give me the new body now. You know, we can't wait to trade this one in. Well, in that new and improved body, we will be able, it's a stronger version, and we'll be able to see and enjoy a full theophany and revealing of God. But we can't today. So God goes to a glorious plan, but maybe an unexpected plan. What's his plan? Well, next verse, verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Next verse. And when my glory passes by, Moses, I'm going to put you in the cleft, which is a cave, cleft of a rock, and I'm going to cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I'll remove my hand, and you will see my back But my face must not be seen. Interesting. What what is the hand covering Moses? Well, God does not literally have a hand. What he's saying is, I'm going to guide you to this cave. I'm going to guide you into the cave. And then I'm going to make sure you can't see out of the cave. I'm going to stop you from seeing me. As I've got you unable to see, I'm going to pass by. 
I imagine we'll get into this next week, that God felt, or Moses felt the warmth of God's presence and glory as he passed by. And then God said, when I'm done passing by, I'll remove my hand, which means enable you to see. And when you enable, are able to see, you will see my, the passage says, back. What does that mean? Well, it's so fun to study the original language. The Hebrew word that's translated back means literally my after, my afterword. Uh, behind me is what it's getting at. And so God says, I'm going to pass by, and after I'm passed by, you'll see the behind me, the afterword. Scholars refer to it as the afterglow of God. Why afterglow? Well, we learned last week that God's glory is often associated with light, right? God, when he shines forth his beauty, it's like a bright, brilliant, beautiful light. And so if God's glory is light, you can imagine he's passing by, shining like the sun. But after he dips beyond the horizon, after he's out of the direct visual uh, contact, he says, my afterglow will light up the sky. You've seen a sunset, haven't you? That's what a sunset's all about. The sun itself is no longer in sight when it's dipped below the horizon, but the sky is lit up like a painter's uh, canvas with glorious color. The beauty is on display. God says, that's what I'm going to do. Now, what is a sunset? It's a reflection. In fact, I've entitled today's message, Reflections. It's a reflection because a reflection isn't the thing itself. What is a reflection? Technically, a reflection isn't the thing itself, but it's the beauty of the thing shining on another thing, right? That's what a reflection is. And when the sun has dipped beyond the horizon, we're looking at a reflection. We're looking at the color, the glory of the sun shining on the sky and the clouds uh, that are there. That's what God offers Moses, a reflection. Moses, you can't see me, but I will let you see my beauty reflected off the sky as I've dipped beyond the horizon. God offers Moses reflections And he offers us reflections. Same truth to us. God says, listen, people, I'd love to just show you. Here I am. But you'd die. And so I can't show you my full glory. By the nature of your survival, I am choosing to reveal my beauty reflected in the stuff around you. These reflections, the strategy of reflections of God's glory around us, are found in a number of passages. There are three of them I adore. And I share them with you for your memorization and treasuring. One of the reflection passages is Psalm 91.1. Let me put that up on the screen now. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. What does that mean? The heavens, first of all, that's how the Bible refers to outer space and the sky, up. The heavens declare, they shout. Did you know that? In fact, this psalm goes on to say, there's no culture that the heavens do not speak their language. In other words, all languages understand what the sky has to say. And what is it saying? What is it shouting? It's shouting the glory or the beauty of God. The heavens shout, if you have ears to hear, God is beautiful. 
Understand what I'm talking about? How, how do the heavens declare? Well, let me just go through a few examples. One would be here, the harvest moon. This is the season of the harvest moon where in a few weeks when the moon is full again, there are moments when it is low in the sky and it's orange and it's huge. Have you ever had those moments of just driving down the street? I had one where we were in the minivan and I turned and right at the end of the street, boom, you know, just sitting like on the horizon. Was it? And I'm shouting to my kids, look at that moon. I pulled over the minivan so that we could take in this moment. My kids are like, it's just the moon, dad. No, it's not just the moon. That is awesome. That is art. That is beautiful. Folks, whenever we see beauty, it begs Who made it beautiful? In fact, it has been said that the beauty of our world is an apologetic or a a proof of God's existence. Why is the world beautiful? Why is there a shape and form and harmony and just beauty in this world? I mean, if it was all a mistake, would it be so stunningly beautiful? No. Beauty points to an artist who made it beautiful. In fact, All beauty can be explained by the beautiful one who is beauty and makes beauty. And I look at the moon. Not only is the moon beautiful, it's functional. Do you know that our moon provides tidal action to our oceans that enable uh, those organisms and creatures to thrive because of the stirring of the waters? Do you know that our moon stabilizes the tilt and rotation of the earth, creating a planet that life can thrive on the moon? It's an example of God's beauty and his love and his provision of the unexpected, subtle needs that we need for life. The moon is cool. How about this? Uh, Next slide. You know what that is? We're all experts on the eclipse now, aren't we, huh? I got a neighbor who went down to Carbondale to the line of totality to see the uh, eclipse in all of its glory. He's an atheist. He's an outspoken, proud atheist. And when he came back... I asked him, what was it like? And he goes, oh, Jeff. He said, it was the most incredible thing I have ever seen. He said to me, it's the closest I've ever come to believing in God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Next slide. How about the sunrise? Uh, you know, these days, the sun is rising later in the morning. You know, in the summer, uh, it's already light when I wake up. But these days, I'm having to try to get out of bed with the dark. But the upside of that is when I go down, our, our kitchen faces east. And I've just stood at the kitchen sink. And I've looked at the warm colors as the sun rises. And every time I say, oh, fantastic. I'm so glad it showed up again today. Lord, Every day since the history of planet Earth, the sun has been rising in beautiful display. And I'm, I was a biology major, so I kind of think scientifically. And I, I just am reminded that the sun is our source of energy. Do you realize that? All life on planet Earth is because of the great provision of God providing the energy through the sun. The sun shines and plants capture that energy and make them into sugars and some 
animals eat the plants and some of us eat the animals. And the result is energy from the sun sustains life on planet Earth. And I look at the sunrise and I say, oh, Lord, your provision, your love, your energy, your faithfulness and taking care of us, it's just on display to me in this glorious painting every morning. Do you think like that? I hope increasingly you do. Well, well, uh, so let's go back to this verse. I love this verse. The heavens, I put the word sky. Look up. The sky declares the beauty of God. So there's one verse. Let me show now one in the New Testament, specifically the book of Romans. Romans 1, verse 20. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his attributes, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made. Since God made the world, and I'm going to use the word nature. If the first verse challenges us to look up at the sky, this verse challenges us to look at the world's creation, the nature God made on this planet. God says, my attributes are on display. They can be clearly understood from looking at and thinking about what has been made. Everywhere you look, God's created beauty is there and it speaks. Here, here's an, an example. Let's go to the next slide. This is kind of a sad story. Many of you may have remembered this tree. It was just recently cut down. It was uh, finally got diseased and became dangerous and they cut it down. This is on Hobson Road, just east of our Hobson campus. And I loved passing this burr oak tree. Loved it. It was so near the road and its trunk was so thick and majestic and the twisted branches of the bur oak is just, I think, a beautiful picture. And every time I drove by it, my heart turned to God. You know, trees, I'm a tree hugger. Trees are sculptures of the Lord. He is the artist who made them, you know. And when I, when I would pass this one, it would turn my heart to him. This one was 250 years old. God decided that trees would outlive humanity. This tree has been around longer than Western settlers have been in the Chicago area. It was there before any Western people showed up. This tree has stood through the ages, and its age and beauty would remind me of God, and he stands through the ages and is there from generation to generation. He is strong and stable like the tree. He is glorious and beautiful through the seasons like the tree. Do you see it's just speaking of what God is like? Now i got to look for other trees. Maybe you can help me. Uh, point some out because this one has served its purpose for 250 years. And I need others because trees speak. Here, how about the Honeycrisp apple? Next picture. This is one of the greatest creations of Almighty God. Unfortunately, overpriced, but it is so good. Have you had one of these babies? I don't know what they're doing there, but these things just, the flavor explodes in your mouth. My wife recently bought some, which always freaks me out because she's spending too much money. And, but I like started scampering to eat them before the kids are wasted on the children. You know, I don't want <laughs> them to eat them all up. But every time I eat one of these apples, my, my eyes are drawn to, to God because he invented it, you know. 
God is the one who made the, the Lord said, hey, I, I got an idea. Red, round, you know, about the size that fits perfectly in the hand. Let's put a skin on it that keeps it, you know, clean and all held together. But man, when you bite through, let's have there be a burst of juice and flavor. And oh, it'll be so delicious. God thought of it all. And when I eat it, I enjoy it. And I say, bravo, Lord. Oh, man, great invention. Your love, your delight in our delight is on display every apple I eat. Your ingenuity and packaging, it's just perfect. Oh, God, nice work. Here, uh, I have a friend here at church whose wife is great with child. In fact, any day now, she will give birth. Every time I see her, I worship the Lord. Here, take a look at a picture of a child in utero. I mean, I I took embryology class back in college, and I have forever just been awestruck by God's creative genius on display in the reproduction system. The two cells, microscopic cells, so small, the human eye can't see them, somehow find each other, combine, and in that sacred moment, life, a new life begins. And over nine months' time, you know, organs and brains and systems and muscles and skeletons, it all forms. And then a new human being enters. I mean, is that incredible or what? God thought of it all. God said, I know, let's put up like a hose, uh, like an umbilical cord. It'll run uh, right in here, and it's going to supply the baby with all the food it needs and the oxygen it needs and remove all the waste. The brilliance of God's design and his supplying faithfulness is all evidenced in what he's made. I'll never stop worshiping him for what I see in the reproductive systems that God has created. Well, so there you go. Let's go to the next slide. We've looked at two verses, one pointing up to the sky, the other towards nature. This one in Romans, outstanding. Here's one more, and that's out of Isaiah. In fact, Isaiah uh, saw a vision of God's throne room. He was given that by God. And in that vision, he saw angels there by the throne of God. And the angels sang a song. This is a lyric from the heavenly song. The angels, they get it. They see with greater clarity than we do. And so in this lyric, they proclaim the whole earth is full of his glory. His glory being the beauty of God. And the angels see, people, do you realize your whole planet is chock full of the revelation of God's glory? That's why I use the word everywhere. I'm trying to expand our search. Yeah, look in the sky. And yeah, look in nature. But it's everywhere. It's full. Look beyond. Even man-made beauty. You know, when you see art, houses, buildings, cars, new iPhones, when you see things that man has made, that proclaims the beauty, the glory of God. You say, no, it doesn't. That, That shows how smart people are, how gifted people are. Folks, who made the people? Who made them creative God did. In fact, in Genesis, remember, it says God created them in his image. God made us in his image. What does that verse tell us? We are like God and God creates. 
So we are like, God, we must be creators too to reflect him. And sure enough, everything we see in this world that is stunningly beautiful, that's made by humanity, should return praise to God because we say, Lord, you made people capable of amazing things. Here, an example would be this week, Janae and I listening to music. Janae's my 13-year-old daughter. We were in the car. A certain song came on and Janae says, Dad, can I crank it? You know what that means, right? Turn up the volume. I'm like, crank it, girl, crank it. So she blasts, and boom, boom, the car is, you know, annoying all the people at the traffic light that were stopped at because they can hear it too. But it was a glorious moment as this great song swept us away. Art. You know, think about that moment. I mean, I'm coming alive. She's coming alive as we're singing at the top of our lungs. Why is that moment glorious? Well, God made sound. God made tone. God made resonance and music. God made the songwriter who is a poet and was capable of capturing words and glorious expression. God made the the melody of that song or put that melody in the heart of the songwriter. God made those instruments or made the people who made the instruments and the instrumentalists who are capable of playing them with such beautiful effect. God made the singer and gave him the voice or her the voice capable of making that song come alive. God made the technology in the car capable of playing the song. I mean, in so many ways, the glory of God is on display in the ecstasy of that moment. And we just, I just said, Lord, thank you. Folks, it's all around. Here, I'm going to stretch you maybe even further to see God's glory in things you didn't maybe know you could see God's glory in. Like the excellence of performance by a professional, like an athlete, for example. The Bears have got a new running back, a rookie by the name of Tariq Cohen. Here's a picture of Tariq. This young kid is unbelievably gifted. In fact, I stumbled this week upon a little video of him showing what he's capable of. Let's play that video now. He's doing a cartwheel and a backflip and catching a ball at the same time he does a backflip. He decided that was too easy. What if I caught it with one hand? Watch this. Backflip, one hand, catch. He said, that's too easy. Throw two balls at me at the same time. One in each end, backflip, huh? You all went, whoa. That's awe. That's wonder. Who are you celebrating? Tariq, he just is doing what God made him capable of doing. Celebrate the God who made Tariq. Realize that God, some of us, Lord, did not make us to leave the ground at all. But others, he gave capacity with muscles and coordination that enables them to do feats of astounding athletic prowess. Celebrate God and their great feats. Some of you are thinking, so pastor, what you're telling me is that it's deeply spiritual to watch the Bears game today. (laughs) You laugh, but it's true. (laughs) Nudge your wife. Make sure she's listening. 
Because yes, all of life, every time we go, yeah, every time we celebrate drama, every time we celebrate excellence, every time we celebrate beauty, God is the underlying creative force. And if you have eyes to see who's making the bubbles, you'll say, this is about God. And Lord, I'm rejoicing in you because the world and the people and the drama of this life is great. So yeah, even the Bears game. It's all about the Lord. Folks, I wanted to just share with you a little uh, story from my own life. Uh, you, you may be aware this summer, I, we did a road trip with our family. We all piled in the minivan and went west. And I told the kids, I go, we're going to see God's beauty on display. We're going to the badlands of South Dakota and the Black Hills and Mount Rushmore and Yellowstone National Park and the Grand Tetons and the Colorado Rockies. And I was all set to really see God's glory on display, but I warned the kids, day one is going to stink. We're going to be in the car for a long time, and it's just blah, you know. We're going to arrive in Mitchell, South Dakota on day one, and our first job is just getting there. I was wrong. I saw beautiful glory in Wisconsin, believe it or not. We took a, the, went through Rockford North up to Madison, and by Madison we cut west. We had, started heading to the south part of Minnesota. That region, I had never been there before in my life. It's called the Driftless Area. There are hills. Somehow the glaciers didn't flatten it all. They missed that area. And let me just show you a picture of the glory of that Driftless region in, in Wisconsin. I, I'm like, kids, look at this. Wife, this is awesome. And unfortunately, no one else was interested. You know, some are sleeping in the car. Others are playing games. My wife's texting people. These satanic devices just drive me crazy sometimes. <laughs> and I just finally realized no one else is interested. And God whispered in my heart, Jeff, this is for you. And I'm like, all right. I'm not going to try to engage them anymore. And as I drove, I just basked. There was a mist settling between these glorious hills. And I'm like, Lord, nice work. God, this is like, this is like the land of fairy tales, like an epic adventure should happen here. There's something magical. I mean, I'm feeling it. I'm being stirred by the quality of this land you have made. And I just basked in it as I drove and talked with him about his art. Surprisingly, that night, I had an interesting experience. Uh, we were in the Holiday Inn in Mitchell, and I woke up in the middle of the night, maybe too excited. Occasionally, I wake up and can't go back to sleep. When I'm at home, you know, I got other rooms to go and read if I need to. But here, all five of us crammed into a hotel room. I didn't want to wake anybody else up, so I didn't turn on any lights. I just sat on the edge of my bed in the dark. And as I sat there in this kind of sleepy state, the Lord brought back the memory of this land. And I almost, in my recalling of the memory, drove through the property again. And the glory of what I had experienced, I enjoyed a second time as I just sat with him. And folks, I'm telling you, that hour in the middle of the night in that dark hotel room became sacred as I just enjoyed an undeniable sense of God's presence, a fresh glimpse 
of his beauty and goodness and just talked with him and enjoyed with him what he had made. It was just precious. This is life at its best. When you let the glory of what God has revealed through the created world capture you and lift your heart to moments of rejoicing and recognize him as the source of that beauty, the beautiful one made it beautiful. It's the best way to live. Now, there are a lot of people who don't see it at all. They're in a hurry. And they rush through each day, passing beauty without noticing. Going back to the wave runner analogy, we did go back to Florida, and we did the wave runners a second time, only this time we didn't see anything animal-wise. I don't know if the guide was bad or he wasn't looking or what was the explanation. But on this second ride, we just buzzed around, buzz, 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 and came back, no sightings. The comparison is like night and day. Way more fun with sightings. And I would say the same is true with life. If you buzz, buzz, buzz through your day and you just go to bed and did you see God? No, no. What are you talking about? Oh, you missed out. Just like when the guide said, the manatee are all around us. Do you know where to look and how to see him? Same is true about God. He's all around you. Do you know what you're looking for? Those who like that guide have learned over time the art of spotting the glory of God and saying, oh, look at that. Is that, do you feel it? Do you see that moon? Let me tell you what it says. Those who step into beauty and embrace God in that moment. They put their head on their pillow after a day and they say, what a glorious day. A day filled with life and moments of exhilaration filled with spottings, sightings of God himself in the world he made. Would you pray with me? God, that's what we want to live like. Some of us are too distracted. God, we're, we're living, but we're not really living. God, we want to live. We want to see you like Moses. We believe your glory is what makes life extraordinary. And so teach us to see your reflections, God. You're speaking. Sometimes we're not listening. And so open our eyes. Guide us. Help us spot you on display. Help us feel the beauty. Help us connect to you. And help us enjoy a beautiful life in a beautiful world with a beautiful God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.